listeners, you are in for such a treat today. I have with me Pauline Joseph out of the Caribbean, and I I have been watching some of her content coming through, and she's just so thoughtful and has this great sense of humor. And I could hear her accent before I met her. I just knew what it was going to be like in my head. And there's this melodic aspect to it that just makes me smile automatically. So I know you're going to love this. So thank you for joining me on your stories. Don't define you how you tell them will. A pleasure to be here as an intro, as an extrovert. I'm like, Sarah wants to hear my story. Okay, great. Talking away. <laughs> Get to meet a new person. That's my shot into, you know, my veins for being able to speak to someone. So I'm happy to be here. Well, excellent. So, you know, I did send you that message that um, gave you a little heads up about what I was going to ask you first, which is I love to have our guests share something about themselves that nobody knows about them or or very few people would know about them. And I I like this question because what the person chooses to share is always a, an interesting insight into them. And it's also fun to give the listeners a little bit more um, context for what they're going to hear later in the conversation. One of the things I wanted to be was uh, a flag girl growing up. It is, well, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago, which we call ourselves the mother of carnival, but that's up for discussion with Brazil. But ultimately, you know, growing up um, watching television and there, there's this thing that happens every year with, with thousands, hundreds and thousands of people go on the streets in costumes and obviously drink and so forth. But there's a point in time where you cross the stage which everybody sees you. So I was actually born around that time in Trinidad and Tobago. So I was like, I was literally days old and bands were passing. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But I remember the first time I saw a flag girl, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. So the idea of being in the front of the band, waving a flag, you know, all over, putting it under my foot, like, oh my God, this is going to be so amazing. That has always been one of my things that I wanted to do. Haven't got, who knows? So you, I take it that you never got to do that. Did you do it? No, I haven't. Oh, well, there's a bucket list item, right? Start practicing, girl. <laughs> Seriously. My cousin's daughter was a fly girl with a marching band in Colorado when she was in high school. I remember watching and at first I heard fly girl and I was like, what, what even is that? And then watching her ability to toss the flag in the air, flip it around while keeping rhythm and keeping the band moving the whole time. I thought I have zero coordination to be able to do that. (laughs) All of a sudden it looked very athletic to me. (laughs) It's really an athletic position. I don't know if it was me just wanting to be the center of attention for just a couple of minutes. I don't know. Maybe there's some sort of therapy couch session for that, but it's something that it has always been, hmm, that looks interesting. So who knows what that will look like? <laughs> You're right. You know, I never even thought about that, but it could very well just be being the center, having all these people marching after you, leading leading the way for others. There are all kinds of things we could read into that desire. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, my brothers and sister will tell you, I'm always the one to be like, let's do this, let's do that. So yeah, I think we just open a Pandora box there. (laughs) (laughs) See, what did I say? Sometimes these stories tell a lot about a person. Mm -hmm. Well, they always do. The question is how much you're going to share. So thanks for sharing that. (laughs) That's a really good insight into your personality. Pauline, 
tell me about um, a recent experience in your work that you walked away from realizing that you were right on target, that this was something that you, you're in exactly the right place for you in this moment, even if it changes in six months or two years, this moment was the right moment. And the reason I ask you this is because I love for you to share what you do without telling us what you do. No, oh, that's a great question because, uh, you know, it actually comes to mind ever so often because I said goodbye to the biggest paycheck uh, from a client, international client that I actually travel all the way to New Zealand for because I am very passionate about what I do in everything, basically could be a little exhausting sometimes, but I, I when I get into something, I get into it. And, you know, this is possibly a negative side as an entrepreneur but when something isn't working I look at it as a reflection of me and what I'm doing wrong so you know I was this particular client we were in business for two years and something wasn't right it wasn't fitting it just didn't feel like they weren't listening but also you know what was the potential of this partnership and you know it was interesting because renewing the contract was never in question because they assume, you know, I'm a small business. I need their money. And to be honest, I probably did at the time, but it just wasn't working out. And I had no sort of, you know, I had a general idea of where I wanted the business to shift to, but I didn't have any support on that in terms of other businesses for it. But within a couple of months, I was able to land a, a few more clients within a different space. So my business actually shifted from business to customer to business to business in terms of the management of their brand. So, you know, everybody was like, are you crazy? Are you mad? And I even had <laughs> nightmares about it. I I have this thing where when I'm uncomfortable, I usually have some crazy, you know, anxiety filled dream the night before, which I obviously did. I was like, <laughs> you know, something along the lines of I may be, be late for a flight and I haven't packed my clothes properly and I'm trying to pack, but I'm not packing on time. So I kind of realized over time, I get these dreams when I'm anxious about the decision and, you know, like clockwork that happened. Uh, but ultimately, you know, where my business is now, because after I made that decision, there were other decisions. Like I actually had to get rid of my team because I realized that um, <laughs> this new client that came in afterwards, there was things that came up that I did not see before. And I also realized I had to change the structure of my business. So each with that one decision came other little decisions, but I definitely made the right one. So what was a, a recent experience with one of those new clients that you were, you're just jazzed about? Meeting them for the first time in person. <laughs> Yay. Tell me about that. Uh, and this is, this is, I mean, I genuinely tell the, them this every time I see them and this was the first time, but I mean, I would have like team meetings, but this particular client, I was able to land through LinkedIn just from a comment. And obviously I would have built my brand uh, online. And if you Google certain things, our company is the first to come up. But this particular client reached out to me via DM, which evolved into conversations online. And it's three years later 
And I met the marketing manager for the first time uh, in September, just gone. So that's technically last month. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, seeing a friend that you've like not seen for a while. And we we joke about it. But this particular client is very special to me because they've proven that my business model work and that my business actually is a viable one. But I'm not in an environment that appreciates the work. So every time I feel a little down, I'm like, okay, you know what? You know, some somebody thinks, because even they told me, they said what they were looking for, what they thought they needed is, is not actually what they were looking for. And when, because I spoke to them and we did a testimonial the other day, uh, my team did one with them. And I, I can't look at those things. It makes me very uncomfortable because <laughs> like course. hearing compliments make me uncomfortable. But one of the things that my team did say that she say was, you know, when she first met me, she's like, this girl tells it like it is. I can deal with her. I can work with her. And it also makes, made me realize that I am specialized in what I do and not everybody can land a criticism or deal with a challenge the same way. And I have to be OK with that because this is who I am. Oh, my gosh. You are speaking my language in so many ways. In so many ways. First of all, the dreams. We have to come back to the dreams. Just last night, I had one of those packing dreams and I am trying to get ready. I was, we were leaving wherever we were visiting and trying to come home. And like somebody had taken all of my stuff out of one of the bags and replaced it with dirty laundry. And I had to take it all out and then put my clothes in it. And my younger son was there and he was little instead of being 21, he was like six. And he was saying, mom, can't we just leave later? I mean, can't we just, why, why do we have to go today? And I'm like, it's our tickets. Our tickets are for today. And I woke up with that anxious, like, oh my gosh. And I am so relieved, Pauline, to hear that you have the same dreams. <laughs> it's just hearing you say that just brought it back. And you mentioned a little PTSD with uh, Microsoft having worked with Microsoft. And that's like, oh my gosh, my dream just came right back to me and I could feel my acid reflux start to come up. <laughs> it's hilarious. I mean, in kind of a sad way, but hilarious. And then talking about meeting face-to-face for the first time, feeling like it was a reunion of friends, that's what No Longer Virtual is. And I'm planning for the next one in February in uh, Chicago. And the very first one, this will be the sixth one, and it's limited to 40 people. So everybody knows each other at the end of these two days. And I have people that have never missed one. I have people that come almost every year. And just like you described, when we meet, even if it's for the first time face-to-face, but we've known each other on LinkedIn, it's like a reunion. We hug, we, we talk about real things. And then you're talking about being who you are, being direct. And I was thinking, she's a lot. This is a woman who is a lot. And I guess that people are intimidated or just insulted because you're straight up, straightforward. And just so you know, I've been told, wow, you really tell it like it is, don't you? Like, yes, that's why you hired me. If you don't like it, I'm not your coach. So on all different levels. And then (laughs) just to connect the dot one more time, Shelly Brown just spoke at the tourism conference in Nebraska. So Nebraska's brilliant marketing campaign is Nebraska. Honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> and then you just said that. I just 
I'm just connecting all these dots. It's amazing. I'm feeling so good about this. <laughs> so what are That's you thinking? That's so good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm thinking, you know, I have these conversations a lot with women and, you know, hearing you say that is also, you know, providing a safe space because I, I, I saw Gary V. I I don't know if you know, you know, the marketing okay. guru as, as, people see him I saw him at a conference in New York and he was just spitting out expletives and I was like you know he tells it like it is and things like that and I look at that and I saw people literally stand up clapping for him in this sort of evangelical kind of situation and I think you know what there's a space for that you do you 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 know so forth but those types of things give me fuel to tell people it's okay if you're not okay with me because chances are if I was of a different shade and a different gender, you'd have a different conversation. And I understand that limits in terms of my economic opportunities, but I'm learning slowly but surely as the gray hair gets (laughs) spans of bigger real estate, I need to be happy and I have to be okay with that. Well, absolutely. And I just had this great conversation on a podcast that will be released later. It's called The The Success Podcast. And um, Natalie and Carla Para, I think, forgetting Natalie's last name, they asked, how do I define success? And I find that to be a really complicated question. But when it comes down to it, if we can separate income from how we derive success in our lives, I mean, sometimes you can't because you have to pay the rent, right? You have to, you have to pay your bills. You have to eat. And, and I love to eat. So that's important. I have to have enough money to eat well. Um, but the other side of that is when it comes down to it, success is about your relationships. Are you satisfied in your relationships? Because in the end, if you aren't satisfied in your relationships, that's on you. That's not an external. There's no external reason for not finding satisfaction in your relationships. Well, I think it's nuanced because I I don't think you could have one without the other. Because when I look back at when I was struggling, um, managing 10 Facebook pages, madness. I just, <laughs> you know, you do what you, you have to to survive. Because I started my business in Barbados. Had this grand idea that I was going to save businesses money through digital because, you know, traditional media is so expensive and I'm just going to drive a change. And then I realized, <laughs> wait a minute, people don't make decisions based on money. They make it based on relationships. And during that time, it was difficult, you know, when money, I, I still at that point in time didn't truly understand how to manage money and finances, making very irresponsible decisions, but I didn't have somebody to guide me accordingly. Um, but I'm in a more comfortable space financially, and that allows me to have better relationships because I'm not solely focusing on, am I going to be, be able to pay rent? Am I going to have to eat, you know? rice and peas again, like those types of things. So I think it's, it's, it's rather nuanced. That's a a really insightful way of considering the concept. And I really appreciate it because like I said, you, you can't completely separate income from your definition of success. And then adding what you just added, which is in order for me to be successful in my relationships, I have to have that basic security from the start. And 
I I see that in in many ways, but I also see where that isn't necessarily um, always the case. Just for instance, um, I remember just coming out of college and having zero money and being, uh, it was definitely, I could barely pay the rent. I would, I remember in college diving through the seat cushions of my little VW bug looking for a quarter so I could go get ramen. And that's, uh, that's pretty broke. <laughs> my cat was eating, but I was eating ramen and that might be my only meal for the day. I mean, things were really, it was really stressful. I still had great relationships with the people in my life, but I was only responsible for me. And I think maybe that's the difference. Once you become responsible as part of a community or part of a family, I think maybe that shifts toward where you're, where you're coming from. What do you think? Well, it's also, uh, there's so much different factors to that. There's this nature versus nature conversation as well, because if you've been brought up with, in a family that supports you, that is a privilege. <laughs> and also, you know, that support, it's a, it's a bit of a cycle as well. Because if your parents are so caught up in trying to make money and then they don't ever actually even say that you're enough, then it becomes a cycle of, well, I'm never enough. I don't have what it takes. Am I going to be able to do this on my own? So there's a lot of things. Yes, I definitely see it coincides with each other. But that financial discussion, I think a lot of times with the motivational porn, it's it's not it's not a, a light is not shine on it. Um, you know, that beam is not high enough for us to have that discussion, basically. Yeah, totally agree. There's just too much in it. And I'm not a counselor. I don't have any credentials in that. Uh, yeah, that makes so much sense. But I, I, I would love to come back to this whole idea of the people who support you and how that creates more definition in your life and creates more clarity and particularly shifts the way you think of yourself. So when you think of a person in your life that for better or for worse had a big impact on how you see yourself now, what is the situation that you had with that person? And the reason I say for better or for worse is that as much as I have uh, an amazing partner, like my spouse is my, my biggest cheerleader. He believes in me more than I've ever believed in me. And I've had people in my life that have been so cruel to me that I think some of my success is literally born from spite. You don't think I can do this and that's why I'm going to do it. So <laughs> I know I love the expression on your face right now. <laughs> So tell me about one of those. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, that's it. I'm going to ask you a question, but I feel like I need to sort of preface it with saying I'm learning to come out of that because I've done so much great things out of spite. <laughs> yes. I'm just like, Pauline, this can't be healthy. You know, I just feel like this can't be healthy. So anyways, um, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> uh, well, and we could talk about that later too, because that's another counseling question. <laughs> yeah. How healthy is this? There's an aspect of health to it because it gets you to where you want to be. Yeah. But the question is, can you let go of it at some point? Can you decide, oh, 
I don't need that motivation anymore. <laughs> I'm going through that right now with triathlon, actually. But I would say, I would say a group of people um, from hockey, actually, um, because I. I really, really, really tried hard to make the national team. Like when I tell you really, there's a point in time I actually wasn't even working. I just did it. And I, and I was like, this was my last hurrah. Um, but I, you'll see there's a theme in my life where, you know, people don't make re- decisions based on who's the best. Um, but anyways, uh, feels like sports in general in the in Trinidad and the Caribbean isn't, isn't supported until the actual athlete becomes recognizable by somebody else, right? So everybody only shows up after the medal is obtained. Um, but then there's a subsect, there's a segment of that where females, you know, female sport is even treated worse than regular sports. So within field hockey, I was introduced to it when I was in Barbados. And I mean, I even have it tattooed on my my hand and it's tattooed in a way that it shows you a heart for love but it's dripping blood because it's uh <laughs> it's uh it was a, quite a relationship but um you know i i played with a hockey team that changed my life you know i went through some some hardships growing up as a kid i had I have parents who are a bit self-centered. Narcissism is a word I just added to my vocabulary. Uh, and this is a club that literally showed up at my door with food because they heard something I wasn't capable of of sharing it, but they heard some stuff and they brought food and they really changed my life. They connected me to my first job when I was in Trinidad. And unfortunately, you know, the person who they put ahead of the club um, was in a relationship with somebody I was in a relationship formerly before and there was this catty behavior that was pretty silly and um, I said you know it was unfair because I literally I was blocked from playing with my team I was told um, they're in a training session they have a team together and we don't play against women anymore so it was just it was so silly and I and I approached the the club and they were like oh that can't be true she's not like that and I left because, you know, I wanted to play the sport. The sport has always been part of my identity. Um, I left and then joined a club and won, won the championship and, you know, whatever. You know, I tried my best to make it to the national team. I made it to a few, you know, final cuts. And the last straw was when it happened and the captain came to me and she's like, oh, well, you know, you should have made it. You were actually better than them. And I was like, but then why didn't you say something? You know, I just really thought about it and it was, I I would never forget that feeling. That was very disappointing. Um, And like any good abusive relationship, I still went back to the sport another couple of years and then I got an injury and the doctor was like, you, um, you need to stop this because the arthritis in the knee. And I was like, no, it took another year. And I decided to learn how to swim um, because it was always on my bucket list. And since I couldn't do hockey, I said, you know what? Let me try this swimming thing. But I can't do things without a goal. And You're an achiever. I, <laughs> I added cycling and running to that. And I 
finished my first 70.3 race, I think five years after that, learning to swim. So I think definitely the trajectory of being, you know, denied that shift me into a space that allowed me to control my destiny because I was not letting other people say, okay, I was good enough to be a national team. I was like, hey, I'm about to put on my own suit and I'm going to do my own thing. So well, you know, that was a long-winded answer. <laughs> that was a perfect answer, Pauline. It was perfect. And for our listeners, tell them how to find you on Instagram so that they can watch your progression. You can find me on Black Woman Trying. And I feel like if you are <laughs> aware of what a triathlon is, you realize what that means. But you could just Google Black Woman Trying and I'll come up. And I promise you, listeners, you will want to follow this Instagram page because it's so full of grit. I mean, this is, it's not just, oh, look, here I am on the stage, second place, which is one of the posts I saw recently. You're standing on the stage, second place. And I'm like, you go. That's so awesome. But the the grit, the perseverance and persistence that I see in all of your posts, and it's not just the stage stuff. It's the, the nitty gritty my my tire popped part way in, into this race and I thought I was done and people showed up and changed my tire for me. Like that post alone, you can't do it by yourself. You just, well, maybe you could, but it would suck. So I would love to hear the backstory about that, like a little more detail because Instagram, Ooh. you can only share so much, right? <laughs> but that incident, it seemed like it really took the wind out of your sails for a little yeah. while. Yeah. And I think I need to, before I even start into the race, just give an insight into my first Ironman 70.3 was something that I decided with a person who I started a club with called 868 Triathlon. And she started it um, going through chemotherapy. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and uh, she was supposed to go to China with me. This is Shanghai 70.3 and it came back. So when I got that call, that literally changed, you know, my entire reason for trying, you know, you'll, there'll be a lot of, you know, <laughs> double entendres in this conversation. But um, I did that race unknowingly that I didn't know that I was going to do it by myself because she dropped out a friend who actually lives in China. She was doing it with me as well. And then a week before the race, she got a concussion. So she dropped out. So I'm literally oh, driving shit. to Shanghai at five o'clock in the morning from Shanghai to this remote area for two hours with people I've, I only met that morning at 5am, which was her friends. So that story alone requires some therapy and alcohol, but, um, <laughs> I crossed that finish line and I I definitely was thinking about my friend. You know, her name's Rihanna and she, her mom died of breast cancer. You know, she is living proof, you know, detection, early detection is important and exercise and a healthy lifestyle is important. So when I came back, you know, and obviously she's now 
fully out of it. And she said, I need to redeem myself. I want to do this. I want to do the 70.3. And I literally still have the image of her and I discussing it in her kitchen. She's like, maybe we should do Spain. I was like, no, I want to do Latin America because I want to learn his language, but I also plan moving to Mexico. So she's like, okay, let's do Mexico. And she booked that in, well, we booked that in January 2022. And what ensued was nine months of, <laughs> you know, Saturday mornings, three hour training sessions was a norm. Uh, because for those who don't know, 70.3 triathlon is, well, you know, with the metric system, but we have the English um, education. So it's 1900 meters swim. It's a 90K kilometers ride and a half marathon. And you have to do it within an eight hour eight hours and a half, basically, else you're no longer qualified, right? So we reached to Cozumel and it was such a huge difference and a relief to have friends because when I did that in China, not only did I not have friends, but people didn't speak the language and it's a huge difference. People don't understand unless you're in a race. When somebody goes, you can do this, let's go it's possible you know from random strangers there's a science that i don't even have control my legs just goes like it just goes faster <laughs> it just goes on and mm-hmm. on so you know i didn't have that in china you know no offense to the mandarin and chinese but i just didn't understand it so having not just my friend rihanna who you know has to the survivor Yes, the survivor. Another teammate who joined us, he decided a couple months before he's joining us. And then I literally had three supporters, um, two teammates and my partner. And I just did like I just knowing that they were there. It was the little things, you know, handing them my triathlon bag that had stuff in it. All those things, if you're doing it by yourself, you just have to figure out how you're going to do this on your own. So that was a big deal. Um, And this was also one of my goals my bigger goals out of this race was getting faster to swim because i was just tired of being the last one out the water <laughs> swimming is hard oh my gosh yes. the fact that you would even that you would even take it on and then finish that is just like that is that's hard yeah it's also a little addictive um you know during the training training sessions for Mexico leading up to it. this guy was talking to us uh, you know it's random stranger asking us you know what what are, what are you doing this why why are you doing this he's like how are you ready and I said well I think I am but I have some injuries here and there he's like but why I said well uh I feel like I like how triathlon makes my body look and if uh, I have the behavioral patterns of an addict. So I feel like if I did cocaine, my teeth will drop out and I don't think I'll look good. So I'm just going to stay with what's more healthy. It's vanity. I'm just going to do this out of vanity. Exactly, Sarah. You got it. This is the baseline. That is it. (laughs) We really do need a psychotherapist on the call with us. (laughs) I don't know. It'll just it'll just fuel me and equip me with um more facts that I don't think many of my friends need for me to have. But um <laughs> so I was like, yes, I'm going to do this faster. And 
the ride is usually my most comfortable. Like I've been riding since I was a kid. I I feel very comfortable on the ride. So the swim is always the biggest thing. And I and I made sure and I I got a swim coach and you know so when I did China I came out of the water an hour and five minutes. You have an hour and ten minutes to finish. So <laughs> I was five minutes <laughs> off so that close. was so close. <laughs> uh, but when I came out to Mexico, I did it in forty-seven minutes. So I wow. was beaming from air to air I was just so happy I was like oh my gosh this is this is it this is my redemption I'm gonna do this and um I ran to my bike and I was feeling good to be in the middle of the park you know I was like okay cool I could call, call myself a triathlete now I'm good and I jumped on my bike and I uh, have this, well, you have to go in the dismount area. So you run and you basically, you have to stop to jump on the bike. And I literally heard my name got called and I looked up and I saw three of them with these um, little signs. <laughs> signs, you know, um, you can do it, things like that. And I jumped on the bike. I started pedaling hard and fast because it was a, it's a flat course, 90 kilometers, literally around the island. The hardest part of the course is the wind. And I had an aero bike specifically for that. And I was ready, ready for it. And it took two feet before I hear clack, click, cling. And I looked down and silly me put my tube in a place that it wasn't supposed to be in. And it wrapped around the back of the chain and completely cracked. So by this time, I have lost it. I have completely, you know deflated uh and i pull aside maybe looking at it because at first i thought the chain was come on came off and then i looked at it, i was like oh my gosh the derail is actually off and this guy came in his spanish and he was like you know you know can i help you know put this and i was like he looked and he's like not possible and i was like no shit sherlock that's why i'm in tears <laughs> so <laughs> I um just like I start thinking about the all the hard work I just placed in the last nine months. I start thinking about, you know, what what am I gonna do for the rest of the day? Like this is not gonna make any sense. So I detach the wheel, I put the frame on my on my shoulder, hold my my wheel, and I just walking back to the transition area. Now as I'm walking back, three of my friends coming towards me. And you could see, obviously, their concern. And we, we spoke about it afterwards. They said they literally felt the entire, it, like the whole area, because it was um, by a, a, hot, a hotel. And the police and everybody was watching as if it was a funeral. Like I was just walking back. And they're like, what's going on? So Emily, who's my partner, she goes, um, what's happening? What's happening? And I told her, she's like, we must be able to fix this. And I'm like, no, we can't. <laughs> I'm done. I give up. <laughs> and she's like, you want me to hold something? I was like, no. <laughs> Bless her. I'm so happy that she's still with me. But anyways, I was like, no, you can't help me, right? So I'm walking back. And they, they're like, they're quiet. They're not saying anything because obviously they could feel. Um, Tension. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the things, and I think this is racist. Kudos to Cosmel and the Aero Sporty people who organized the event. I think it's a really good event. It fits your first event. There was a mechanic 
on site. He wasn't, what I got there, he wasn't there. You could see his bag and, you know, it was kind of Spanglish happening. I don't know a little bit of Spanish. And they were like, he's coming. So eventually ran back. He's like, I'm sorry, I was in the bathroom. He said, he's like, lo siento in baño. I was like, okay. So he comes and you could see when he comes to the bike, you see his face just deflated. He's like, oh no, it's no it's possible. And I was like, I know. I literally looked at his bag. It's like, there's no way he has a, a drill in there. This is not making any sense. So he he proceeds to open his toolkit. So three of us women, are, not three, three of them and me. So it's four of us. They're, one of them are holding the bike. Somebody else is holding the, the wheel and we're like hovering. And then I look up and I see another guy who I know from Trinidad. He's now leaving to ride the bike. So then I was like, I need to use the bathroom. So I ran the bathroom and he goes, he's going to try to use one gear if I'm okay with one gear. I said, I'm okay with whatever. So just do it. And I pointed the gear. So in the back of the gear, there are 10. And the big, the biggest one is usually the lowest one. I ask him to do the one after that, right? So that, that's manageable. So I run to the bathroom and I come back out and he's like, he's still shaking his head. He's looking at the twist eyes. He's trying to figure out what to do. So eventually he goes on the other gear after that one. Assume he takes out some of the links. And at that point in time, if he had pulled out a ring and asked me to marry him, I would have to talk to Emily to see how we could do a sister-wife agreement because I would have said yes. He managed to use four twist ties and connect the derailleur on the frame and he was like, good luck, right? <sighs> so my friend, so this is all happening. By this time, my transition went to 10 minutes to 40 minutes, right? right? Just to give you context, I have five and a half hours between the swim and the ride to finish. If I don't finish within five and a half hours, I'm disqualified. So I came out of the water 47 minutes. So just add 40 minutes to that. And that gives you minus that from the five, five hours and a and, and half. So my friend hands me some twist size and she's like, you want extras? I'm like, to do what? Right? Because this point in time, I'm just, if I'm only fails, bike. I'm fine. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm right. just like, let me just go. And uh, <laughs> she was like, why should I take the twist size? What should you just take the twist size? I was like, I can't. So I ran off. Uh, I, I, I cycle off and, um, in my mind, I said, I have three and a half hours to do this. If I don't do this in three and a half hours, it's not possible. L I'm lucky that it was a, a flat course. Um, it was a bit lonely because I obviously by the time I I came out, everybody had already gone. And I within the first five kilometers, they had a water station. But what I didn't realize is where that water station was, was also a turnaround area. So you have to do a loop. And then you go down and come up again because the actual loop wasn't 90 kilometers. Mm -hmm. So when I reached this area, the guy was like, turn around. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. So I said, it's like, una mas. Like, this is my first one. This is my first loop. He's like, oh, no, you have to go on. And it's probably because, I don't know, maybe I look fast. It was like, they thought I was finished. I was like, nobody, I ain't finished yet. Um, so... <laughs> I just kind of was like head down and I, one of the biggest issues I had was I actually had to talk to myself and say, not switching the, 
care because yeah because i automatically because of how i've been training i automatically just i don't even think about it my hand shifts the gears just based on you know the resistance on the road i had no choice you know i was just like let me just go i I just keep going and it took a while it took about 20 kilometers for me to find a rhythm i i have a little bit of beyonce in my head she's my um she's my internal coach um there's a particular song that she sings about freedom and uh and there's a line that says a winner doesn't quit on themselves so i just kind of replay that i usually play that just before as well and i also knew that i had a club back in trinidad literally looking at every single minute and hour of my time so i i i I was always like i felt the energy i was like nope gotta finish this gotta finish this This is this is this is a must. I have to do this. You know, this is fine. And by kilometer 25, 30, um, this is where the wind started to hit as well. I reminded myself to enjoy it because the idea of me just finishing the swim, um being part of the founding member of the most popular triathlon club in Trinidad Tobago, um, having my business, having a business that I'm able to actually leave. This was the first time I left my laptop after 12 years. I left it because I actually have a team that I could trust and clients. And I really just started thinking about those things and I just kept going. It's like, wow, my therapist was right. Positive reinforcement does work. And um, <laughs> it was about kilometer 60 because it was a loop. So literally, I saw people. Um, there was a stretch where it was just the beach. But during that time, I saw about five mechanics. Like I saw people actually going up and down the route. The water stations was great. Um, people came out. So there was a section in which there was like a village. So moms and the kids and aunts and uncles were sitting down. You know, I learned the phrase sepwede, which means you can do it. Um, I learned that so many times. I was like, from the time they said, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And when you reach the village part, they block off the streets. And there's always this weird um sort of Hollywood moment that I have when the streets are closed because I'm riding through it. It's just like, okay, guys, I'm important <laughs> just for this second. That's just your flag girl moment. That's yes. your flag girl moment. That's what that is. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <you> <laughs> so, so by six day kilometers, I reached back to where we had started, which my friends were at and to see them, to hear them scream my name. It was just felt so good. Um, and at that point, I I reached Rihanna and this, you know, she's like, oh, my God, it's so good to see you. I said, yes, I know. My Dorella broke. She's like, oh, my gosh, that's why I didn't see you. I was like, yes, all this happened as we're doing like a quick, <laughs> a quick pass around. Um, and then, yeah, just by the time I came back in, the guy that I saw passing me out while I was trying to fix my bike, I reached him by transition. So it took me three hours and 20 minutes to finish in 90 kilometers. Um, what in I one did gear. In one gear. Damn. But <laughs> <gasps> I was like, okay, this is done. This is supposed to be the hardest part. 
<laughs> oh no, famous last words. <laughs> I was like, I, as I racked my bike, I was like, whose idea was this? I literally was talking to myself, whose idea was this? Um, <laughs> so with transition, it's just a transition. You take off your helmet, you know, because you have a tri suit. So you take off your helmet and um, your specific shoes, which is a cleats shoes, and put on your sneakers. I usually put on a cap because of the sun and I have nutrition, extra nutrition and stuff. So it, the transition was in a very shaded area. So when I ran outside, let me just tell you this. I was born in Trinidad, which is, a, we don't have any winter, you know, all we it's know is now. rain or no rain. It's on average. I don't know what the equivalent is, but I think, well, in Fahrenheit, it's like what? 80, 80 on average, you know, um, 30, 27 to 30, depending on the time of the year and the day. Also, part of my upbringing was in Barbados. They have no mountains. You know, we have some beach. So I'm accustomed to the sun. I'm accustomed to playing field hockey at two o'clock in the afternoon, sometimes at 11 in the morning. But what I could tell you without a doubt is nothing could have prepared me for that Mexican sun. literally nothing nada zilch because (laughs) when i entered and when i entered the shit and then exit back out to transition i was like who's sad this are we closer to the equator is this climate change what is happening (laughs) so yeah that was it was that and then i think because i didn't have control over the resistance the bottom of my feet were burning so oh. much. It felt as if it was somebody was clinging on to it for their life <sighs> for those three and a half hours. So I just kind of had to run, walk it out, run, walk it out. I'm like, okay, it's all right. It's okay. Um, and w- the race is a 10 kilometer loop. So you do that twice and see 21 K and, um, yeah, it took a while. There was a lot of run walking and um, <laughs> it was interesting to see people have their teammates run next to them who weren't in the race. This is not supposed to be allowed. But as I said, this is a fun, this is a good first race. I saw somebody hand somebody a bear. That's my kind of race, <laughs> especially in that heat. Oh my God. I saw somebody run next to somebody with a cowbell, you know, <laughs> chair them on. <laughs> I mean, it's just quality. So the first 10 kilometers, it wasn't too bad because people were around and people were cheering and there was like dancing and whatever. So you felt the energy. And somewhere along like kilometer nine, the bottom of my sneakers started to disappear. The soul just started to come out. And I was like, seriously? Seriously, <laughs> guys, seriously, come to mind. And uh, this is where the sport of having people support you is so important because I saw them at um, 10 kilometers and I was like, do you have my tri bag? I need my sneakers. So they just, wow, rented to my, my, um, my shoes. Again, went in my bag, got my shoes and I literally changed them. <laughs> I hope I am not listening to this podcast because that's not supposed to happen, but whatever. It was fun guys. I was in the back. Nobody was passing me. <laughs> What choice do you have? What choice do you have? Your shoe was falling apart. Oh my God. 
<laughs> and hey, that I'm, can't be any worse than handing somebody a beer while they're running. Thank so. you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I'll put you on the witness stand. Uh, so, <laughs> so when I reached like kilometer 15, um, it started to get less and less. And one of the things you realize with these races is you make random friends because you are, we are all in this in a single race. But then again, it's a metaphor for life because you could be going towards the same goal, but have a different journey. So this guy, he was like, you're from Trinidad? And I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, that's so cool. What time is it? <laughs> so we, we had a sort of like every time I'd run, walk, run, walk, run, walk. And I had about five kilometers to go. And he was like, you think we could make it? I said, yeah, yeah, we can make it. So it was about 40 more minutes before uh, DNF. And um, <laughs> my dear love, she ran, she ran in her, <laughs> in her sandals, oh. three kilometers. And she was like, oh. you got this, you got this. And she brought water for me because by the time I was in this, this part, a lot of volunteers disappear. The water ran out. Because, uh, I mean, it was a lot of kids too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was mostly done. It was probably about 10 of us, if so much, on the course anymore. So, and some of them were kids. They were probably bored. They're like, whatever, you know. Some of them were pelting the water at each other. And I was like, that's water for me. (laughs) I need that. (laughs) It's hot. So I was she like, my water. Yes. At first she did ask me. She's like, you want? I was like, no, I'm fine. And then he's like, you sure? I was like, okay, yeah. This is also, you know, a clear um, a violation. Therapy moment. Oh. Because I don't know how to accept help. So every time she asks, I would always say no first. And then eventually I will need it. So that's, that's something we're working on and processing, you know. Um, but yeah, I was looking at the time. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have 10 more minutes. So this was like about a kilometer more to go. And um, it really is amazing how the body works. And this is why, you know, people hire coaches and hire people who understand psychology. Because as much as I just went through eight hours and 20 minutes of torture, knowing that the finish line was so close, my legs just started moving faster. And I have this thing where if I pay for this, I need to make sure I have the best finish line photo ever. So there was this guy in front of me. He was he was walking and I was like, dude, I don't have time. So I just basically, I was like, I don't want to spoil your photo. So I ran past him. I did my arms out. Stuff and I was just like, it's done. Oh my God. I didn't even have any because I was just so tired. Isn't that Mental funny? Tears. There yes. are times when you're just so filled with relief that there's no room for happiness. There's no room for happy. I'm, I'm just so filled with relief. Oh yeah. my gosh. What an epic story. Yeah. <laughs> that is an epic story. <laughs> I keep coming back to you, you having a song in your head because that's something that I really believe in is having some anthems or theme songs. And I'm actually doing a talk on that in February at the Servant Leadership Conference in Dallas. I'm talking about how music connects with you just as much as stories do, if not more, of course. But um, I love that idea that you had Beyonce's voice in your head. Can you listen to music while you're doing this? Do you have headphones? No, you're not supposed to. 
but you knew it was in your head. You didn't need it. I think of, so I'm, I'm Jewish and yet the gospel band, Mary, Mary, always, every time I hear them come on with all those tight, complex harmonies and just the, the way their voices combine to make this powerful, emotional feeling, even without the words, but the song that always pops into my head when I'm in those moments is, um, I just can't give up now. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me the road would be easy. Yeah, that's. Oh, my gosh. Ah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Words and melody make so much. Yep. And it's a story. I mean, that song is a story because when you start hearing those words or singing along with it, you're imagining a mountain. True. I mean, so there's, there's a story, there's imagery. You have your own story that relates to those lyrics. Even if the lyrics are about something completely different, you have your own story that, that you're associating the lyrics with. Yeah. That's why I can't watch music videos because it's spoiling music for me. I need I need to have my own story attached to that song. Mm-hmm. I love it. And your flag girl moment. <laughs> it's perfect. It's true. Technically, I did have it. <laughs> and what, what's interesting is um, hearing my friend's perspectives, you know, afterwards, like the one who ha- was handing me the twist eyes, she's like, I didn't know you were crying because if I knew that, I probably would have been emotional too. So it's probably good. And then she said, when I rode off, she thought that I was just testing the bike that I'd have come back to see. I was like, girl, wish rest testing i'm not time to test anything <laughs> she thought you'd go a little bit make sure it works yes. come back make sure it works yes. you're like oh hell no once Negative. i'm on i'm on <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> oh my gosh so, yeah. and you have that, that team of support and i keep so that's been a theme in this podcast over the last few weeks is um who do you surround yourself with who because Life is too short to be around people who don't support you. It's just too short for that. And but sometimes, um, sorry to cut you, but um, sometimes I, for me, my journey has been an understanding of what that is because I never had it. So I've, you know, one of the my friends that came to Mexico the night a couple of days before we were sitting down having breakfast and she was asking me like, how did you do this in China by yourself? How did you, you know, what does it feel like to now be in a situation where you have people to support you? And I really thought about a question even days later, because you do things because you do things, not because like, you know, I wanted to do these things and nobody around me was doing it. So I just did it anyways. But damn, having people around and, you know, having a similar mindset makes a huge difference because, you know, when you watch these superhero movies and what makes it to uh, pop culture is this singular man in an alley somewhere saving the world. But that man has a butler in his, his palace. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> a, a team of people. Yeah, you know. So those types of things aren't highlighted as much because as with everything, even in sports, when you think about, well, we watch soccer, football a lot, there's always just one person that stands out. You know, even NFL with Tom Brady, it's like, dude, it's still like a whole set of people on that field. So that's that's a learning process for me. 
Yeah. I love that you just put that in perspective for me because I have had the the good fortune to have had great support throughout my life. There are definitely people that um, inspire me through spite, definitely. And yet, um, I think when I think of the definition, how do you know that this is somebody that is going to support you? How do you know that you're surrounding yourself with the right people? And my question is, if you said, oh my gosh, I have this crazy idea, and the person in front of you says, awesome, how can I help? Then you know you're in the right company. If they say, oh, wow, what a cool idea. Um, Have you thought about this, this, and this? So they challenge you to think it through a little bit better, but they're still, yes, how can I support you in this? That's when you know you're surrounded by the right people. Well, I'm the latter part to the um, despair of some of my friends. My friend actually told me, she's like, I run away from you because you ask hard questions. I was like... (laughs) That's my MO, guys. That's my MO because whatever I ask you, I ask myself. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's yes. out of support. You're not doing it to to poke holes in their idea. It's to make sure that when they do it, they do it right. And they're going to be successful with it. And not everybody's okay with that. And that's something I'm learning. Um, but also, I must say, um, support is new to me, not just from me receiving it, but me giving it. Because I... I was brought up with a sense of always having a condition so you could live under my roof if you believe my religion you know mm-hmm. um you could eat at my table if you could go and work and bring in money so there was never a point in time where you show up for my hockey game just because you love me right, right. and that was reciprocated in my friendships because i didn't understand what what unconditional love was or what support looked like so it's it's still new to me, but good goodness, getting it was like, whew. so I was like, hmm, this is how this feels. So I guess I should give it to. All right. Okay. <laughs> you just made my whole day with that. I mean, think about the transformation that that demonstrates in you as a human, as a woman. I mean, that's that's transformative right there. Understanding that you are receiving this and now you're learning how to give it still in your own way, because like Nebraska, you're not for everyone. <laughs> so you have to do it in your own way. You can't do it like other people do it. And and this, there's just so much beauty in that lesson, in that learning, in that choice that I'm receiving it. And now I I have a better vision of how to give that. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many um, little like even coming out of that, there was a narrative that I was told that, you know, women don't support each other. Women are catty. And the more, cause I, you know, I'm a nerd. I love to read about human behavior from a factual perspective, from a data perspective. I like to see that, you know, we may have myths, but then the data shows something else. But it also says that when you believe something, it becomes a truth. So you actually come with that truth, even regardless of how that person responds. So you've already created that environment. And the more I got exposed to, well, sports was a, is a huge catalyst for my life and just my existence. But, you know, what I experienced with triathlon 
the support that I've experienced from women. I mean, that narrative was a fable years ago because it's shown me that, you know, we also need to give a bit. We need to give a little. So if you assume that all women are catty and they don't, you basically, you're, you're actually living the truth that you're saying. So we have to accept that, hey, you know what? Some people are not having a good day. Not that's because their agenda. Maybe just not having a good day. So let's move on. So yeah, that that has been also something that I've learned at least recently. Yeah, I think that that's something a lot of us are kind of coming around to. As I mentioned, I had been interviewed for a podcast the other day, and they said if you could go back and at, and tell your twenty year old self something, what would it be? And I said, support other women. Because I'd had that same experience where women were catty and mean to me. High school was horrible, horrible. College was better. I met some of my longtime friends in college. Um, but it was, it. I have these cringeworthy moments when I look back at my 20s and 30s where I, I am a nice person. I'm kind. But there were definitely times where I was not supportive of other women, where I would hear somebody else singing and I would be looking at my friend and we'd be making faces, you know, and, and telling ourselves that she couldn't see us, which is bullshit. And even if she couldn't see us, what does that say about us internally if we're playing that game? And what do we expect from others if we're doing it? And yeah, if I could go back, I'd say always support other women and you don't have to like them. And maybe they're doing something you don't like. So sometimes walk away is the best kind of support you can give. Ah, I, I love this transformation story. I mean, because there are so many different levels to it. And Pauline, I could sit here and ask you questions all day. I, I would want to hear more and more of your stories, but I think our listeners will get bored after a while. No, they wouldn't. As a matter of fact, no, they wouldn't. But I, I'm not going to do that to them. Maybe we can do this again in a few months after you've done some more and have more experiences and I can continue to follow you on Instagram and, and be inspired by your, your choices. It's not just your, your persistence and perseverance, but your choices and how to live your life and who to surround yourself with. And I'm just kind of blown away by you. Thank you. Thanks for that. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's some more stories coming because what happens, I do this thing every time I finish a race. This is my second time where I make a life-changing decision. And um, yeah, the decision is you're going to see more of me on my Instagram, but less about triathlon and more about me traveling Latin America. So I'm going four countries for four months uh, and just, you know, really embracing the digital nomad life and then figuring out where the hell I'm going to live after because I have no idea what that's going to be. It's so weird because I'm such a planner, um, but I'm leaning into the discomfort of the unknown. Mm. Well, I know that I'll be looking forward to seeing where that takes you. How can our guests uh, be in touch with you? I, I know we said Black Woman Trying. It's the ad symbol, Black Woman Trying on Instagram. Um, what else do you need people to know about you and how can we support you? Well, I my business is um, 
I mean, but I usually speak about my personal um, stories on LinkedIn. So you could look for me on LinkedIn, just Pauline Joseph. And um, there I show it, share insights as a small business owner. And yeah, uh, AC Marketing Caribbean is the name of my business. And we share content on YouTube about content creators and influencers in the Caribbean. Great. Well, thank you. And for our listeners, this will all be in the show notes on the podcast at elkinsconsulting.com. Pauline, thank you so much. Thank you.